You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. Y'all ready to jump into this finale of Deep and Wide? Have you, have you got something out of it? If you've been here, uh, I'm really excited about it. Will you stand to your feet? If you can, if you, if you can't, enjoy your seat. I get that too. Um, so there's no such thing as a great movie. I just, all week, I just couldn't figure this message out. And then it hit me about midweek. There's no such thing as a great movie without a great scriptwriter. Uh, a script writer writes the scenes, the stories, the, the situations, the resolutions, the screenplay. A, a mediocre movie is because it has a mediocre screen, script writer. And um, you don't get a great movie without a great script writer. People have always told me over the years, I mean, you probably said it, I probably said it, you could write a book, make a movie out of my life. All the crap that's happened, all the stuff went sideways and went wrong. You know why that is? Online, I'm talking to you. You know why that is? You know why your life is consistently, and for some of us, or some of you, constantly harder than it should be? Nothing goes as smooth as it should. It's a horror movie. It's a stress fest, suspense, always drama. Don't know anything but drama. Don't know anything but insecurity. You know why it is? It's because fear is your script writer. Fear is your script writer. And fear, that's not just my title today. This is not just a title. That is the truth that you've been living in and settling for too daggum long. And we're about to settle ourselves here in a second. We're about to dig into this thing. And this message is going to hit you in the heart. It's going to hurt your feelings. But no longer. You've got to fire your script writer. Because your life is not a mediocre life. And it doesn't have to continue to be harder than it should be. Life is hard enough. But you are a winner. And I'm talking to some winners today. Because fear. All of you online. You don't realize it yet. You play better when you know you're going to win. And you don't know you're going to win until you realize you're a winner. Fear will sabotage you, y'all. You don't realize fear sets you up for what you're afraid of. Oh, you don't even know yet. Fear sets you up. You are scared straight into the situations that you are scared of. It is a sabotage. It is a trap. Every part of fear in your life. Every part. And the Bible teaches that Jesus is the author, the script writer, and the perfecter of our faith. But that truth will not change your story, affect your story, or change anything about your story until you trust him with the screw. And we live scared. Will you lift your hands? Lord, I ask you to help us not just see the principles of the scripture and of your heart, but to apply them to our lives and know that. And first, we have to know that we are worthy. You are worthy. And Lord, we ask you to speak. We help us trust every piece of our puzzle to you. The broken pieces, the dysfunctional pieces, the pieces that don't make sense. The valleys, the, the, the things that we think will never come together again. Lord, let us trust you with our script because if fear is our script writer, it's a setup. Let us hear from you today. Online, I Lord, if somebody's sitting in their bed or on their couch scared to come to church in person or, or down and don't feel like they can look at other people or have other people look at them, Lord, speak to their heart, Lord. There is no distance in your spirit. Speak. We love you. This is a safe place. And Lord, and Lord make this a powerful place in Jesus' name. Amen.
before you're seated. The Bible says our God always causes us to triumph. And the psalm says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So I need us to go ahead and set the precedent that we're going to experience him today. Give God praise. Don't You aren't timid when you talk to your children. You aren't timid when you're fussing out your spouse. You aren't timid when you're telling the coach that your kid, your kid needs to play. Don't be timid right now. We're about to do it. You may be seated. Let's jump into this thing. Fear is a setup. It's a sabotage. It's a trap. It's why you can't enjoy good. It's why you can't enjoy good moments. It's why you can't enjoy good people. It's why you can't. It's why it robs you of that. It's why you lose good relationships, good years, good health. It's fear. Fear has been your script writer for too long. Fear has told your story. Whether by default indecision or by bad decisions, fear has, told, has led your narrative. All of us to some degree this is true. Fear cannot be your script writer and you live in faith. Fear cannot last any longer and you, continue, and you live in the love and that love be your reality. No more. No more. Today we draw a line in the sand because it doesn't matter what your coping mechanism is because we all got different coping mechanisms and we're intimidated by people who have different ones because we think they're actually projecting the truth. So I don't care if your coping mechanisms is you got, you got a big personality, you got a big mouth, mad, aggressive, arrogant keyboarding skills because I know that's a big thing now. Or if your coping mechanism is, is, is inferior, you walk in a room and you hold your head down and you're timid and you're insecure and you don't feel like you're good enough. It doesn't matter what your coping mechanism is, it's fear. And the only way for Jesus, the author, to be your script writer is for you to fire your script writer. So right now, the rest of this message, and we're going to warm up today. Oh, you know, I've done it a lot lately, and I'll probably do it a lot more. When I point to you, you're going to say in your Donald Trump, Vince McMahon voice, you're fired. You ready? Online, drop a comment. Say you're fired. Here we go. Oh, wake up. Here we go. If there's some babies in here, there's cat kids. Wake them up. I'm telling you, the things in your life that are holding you back are not going to truly begin to line up with who you are and who God's called you to be until you fire your script writer. And we all have this issue. And we are about to jump in. I'm going to just share some major fear. Some, some major fears in all of our lives. We're going to make this 2020 and the Bible speaks to it. And the love, presence, purpose, promises of God. We're going deep and wide, y'all. This is the finale. And deep and wide doesn't stop here. Deep and wide is a decision that you make every day to take God up on what he called, on who you are. Not doubt it, not walk in a room and, and, and think it's a fairy tale. You take him up one step at a time. Tragedy, triumph. Our God is a winner and he creates winners, which means you are a winner. So we are going to begin to jump into some fears. Here's the thing. Same as every defect, character defect you and I have, every dysfunction, every insecurity, it all comes from the same place. I could show you Genesis to Revelation, every story, worth Everything that you deal with, every fear you have, every scar, every wound, it comes because you don't think you're worthy. It is no different with fear. 
So a lot of these fears I'm going to talk about come from the same place, worth. Because fear is connected. Because all dysfunction, all defects in your life, everything goes back to worth. You got some things that aren't lining up in your life, some things that you can't overcome, that you can't seem to get over the top. It is worth. But guess what? We're firing it and we're going to see how because we're taking our faith back. Because the only way to trust God with a script is to take the faith. Take your faith back. So let's jump right in. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Online, I hope you're ready. Here we go. If you haven't shared the video, hey, we're we rolling. We're growing because the, it's time to apply the gospel to your life. It's still true. Are you going to make it your truth? Here we go. Fear of not being enough and not having enough. Oh. It's why you want so much affirmation and approval. You crave it. You fish for it. You need to be accepted. You need to feel worthy. You, you have this fear that you're, you're not enough. You have this fear that you're not enough. You crave it. It's why you try, you try so hard to be a good wife and husband. You put ridiculous, unrealistic expectations on yourself as a parent, as a spouse, as an employee. It's ridiculous. God has not asked it of you. It is the fear of not being enough. Look at it. We all got to have these, uh, these, uh, these, uh, these proposals. Got to have the, everybody's up in their game. These are uh, just amazing drones everywhere where you see to propose. I got to up my game. Creative proposals, extravagant, overly expensive weddings. Culture is based in fear. You take a million pictures and miss the moment because you're taking a million pictures of the moment trying to post the moment. So you got a million pictures on, a, on an event or an outing, let alone let's go to a vacation. You miss the moment, taking a picture of the moment to show everybody the moment that you weren't even present in. That is the fear of not being enough. So you got to show everybody, prove everybody. You pour your life. I'm telling you, I'm losing my voice, so he's going to have to be it today because I'm going to preach this with all my heart. And I may not even be, y'all may, I may not even talk on trunk or tree. You pour your life, you pour your life into everything trying to prove yourself job business school sports my young people listen to me i don't care if you're the best athlete in the world if that's your identity it will not end well and one day when you're not able to catch touchdowns hit home runs when you when your body fails you or when somebody rejects you who is your scriptwriter? We do it with church, church people. I've heard people say, no, we're not enough. Jesus is enough. Man, go tell that to somebody. You've been preaching about the grace of God, but you preach it trying to earn it because you're trying to prove yourself. Don't feed me that stuff. That is projection and self-righteousness. We are enough because he is enough and he fearfully and wonderfully made us last time I checked. Fear of not being enough. You stay in bad relationships too long because you fear not being enough. Well, you know, I just, um, I just, um, I, you have this fear. I, I can't get anybody better. So you settle for 50,000 years with somebody that you get up and can't even like. You know why you did it? Because you had the fear of not being enough. Or you're going to do it. You say in a bad, bad relationship, here it is. You say, um, well, 
It could be a lot worse. I'm, I'm ungrateful. I need to be grateful. So you stay in a bad relationship because it could be worse. What kind of rationale is that? Fear. That's your script writer. Fear. 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 People, people overlook you. People don't see your gifts the way you think they should see them. They don't promote you. They don't start you. People cut you down. They talk down to you. And what it does, it confirms what you already fear about yourself, that you are not enough. That you are not enough. And it scares you. And what happens is you're scared of not being enough, so you live short of who you are. And there's the fear of not having enough. How many times do you think in a day, I don't have enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not thick enough, don't have enough money, don't have enough skill, don't have a, all my older people, you're like, I just don't have enough youthfulness, I'm just, but what in the world? That's fear. There's the fear of this shortage in your life that you lack something. The fear of not being enough and having enough and it is crippling you and it is setting you up for what you're scared of because when you want it, when deep down in your heart you were destined to play a game sitting on the sidelines because you're scared is a sabotage because you never truly play the game that God called you to play the way you're called to play it and you have this fear and it has robbed you for too long. You better say it with all you got. When Jesus is the script writer, when Jesus is the script writer, he defines your story. He defines your mistakes. He defines every season because you trust him as the script writer. He defines the broken stuff, the stuff that doesn't make sense, the stuff that you're ashamed of and you hide like Adam and Eve back in Genesis when they covered themselves with leaves. He defines it. You trust him. What fear does, we're going to see it. What fear does is fear refers and reverts back to where it went wrong, the wounds, the things that where you got off your path, the time you wasted, the things you've squandered. Fear always reverts back and refers back. And Jesus says, give me the story and I'll be the best script writer because I made you for this script. Don't believe me? We read the Bible that way. Here we go. All over the country, I can promise you proportionally, especially in the South, there are more people preaching on Genesis 3 or something related to how we're depraved, how we've fallen, how we screwed it up in the Garden of Eden. That's Genesis 3. How we messed it up. How we're so undeserving. There's more messages on that than on the grace and mercy that Jesus came to the cross that, as Bradford said, to remind us of who we are. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. We even say it. People say, from the beginning, we messed it up. Genesis 3 wasn't the beginning. Genesis 1 was the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, this is who God says he created you to be. This is who he created you. So God created human beings in his own image. He deposited himself in you and you're walking around like you don't have enough because people did something to you, hurt you, because you got scars and insecurities, because you wasted a lot of time in mistakes. It says in the, in the image he created them, male and female, he created them. And it continues and it says that he gave us dominion over the earth. If you look in scholarship, it is believed that this is the central theme of the Bible. He created you to experience. The Bible says we are partakers. 
You are called to enjoy him and other people. This Genesis 3 happened in your own life. Genesis 3 happened. But Genesis 3 happened. Genesis 1 is who you are. Genesis 1 is who you are. And if you forgot it today, I want to remind you because Jesus came to bring sexy back. And you need to walk in a room and know that you got something to offer. And quit lying to yourself and living short. Because the fear of not being enough is, is robbing you of living enough. More than enough. Jesus said, I come to give you abundant life, overflow. Ephesians 2, you want to see it? This is New Testament. For we are God's masterpiece. That word right there also translates poetry. He's the author of your story. It's time to give him back the script. He created us anew. In Christ Jesus, so we could do the good things he planned for us. Say that with me with all you got. Long ago, Genesis 1 is who you are. You had your Genesis 3 moments. You got off your path. You made some mistakes. You hurt some people. You lost some money. You hurt yourself. You hurt the people you love. It's time to get back to who you are. And the fear of not being enough and not having enough has robbed you long enough. The Bible says how great a love has been lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. And then John says, and that is what we are. The Bible calls Jesus the truth, but the truth, that truth that the Bible says sets you free, can't set you free until you trust him with the script. But you're walking around insecure. You're walking around scared, trying to prove to everybody, trying to prove the person that you do life with, your kids, your employer, that you're enough. And you overcompensate because fear sabotages you. It sets you up for what you're afraid of. It's why you constantly live disappointed. The scripture says that what a man believeth in his heart, so is he. You become what you believe. So it's time to believe what God says about you because that is who you are. You are not a product of your environment. You're a product of your creator. And I'm telling you, Jesus came back to say, the enemy and anybody that doubted you, you better put them back in their place and take your faith back. Fear is robbing you. My daddy, my daddy um, growing up, my dad was funny. Boy, I'm telling you, he was inappropriate. He was, he was like me on crack. Let's just say that. On crack, you put some alcohol in him, it's real bad. Thank God I don't have space for that. I put my foot in my butt or mouth enough. Well, that was terrible. Sorry. Sorry, I'm tired. Long night. War Eagle. Don't let, hey, just say amen. I got the mic in this mug. I don't want to waste my voice screaming War Eagle because I'm stubborn like that. My daddy used to, growing up, we watched a lot of horror movies. Well, he tried to not let us, but mama's like me. She's, she's stubborn, and we love horror movies. I'm not entertained by them anymore because for years I was scared of the dark. Matter of fact, my brother's here. He was scared of the dark a lot longer, so he's got bigger muscles, more athleticism, better metabolism, but he was afraid of the dark a lot longer than I was. He's running mixed. I love you. Big biceps, scared of the dark. Mm. 
So anyway, uh, Daddy used to talk about horror movies. He'd say, we, I, I do it now. He'd make fun of them. People watch horror movies, horror, horror movies with me. I think I pissed Will off. We watched Halloween last week. And I was like, ah, that's ridiculous. And Daddy would do that. It's just like they would be alive. This wouldn't happen. You'd have been out the door. You wouldn't be going to try to fight Michael Myers. That's ridiculous. I'm just laughing because Daddy used to do that. He used to say, this is fake. Look at this. There's all this ridiculousness. He would say, man, this is all fake. There's like 30 people behind 17 cameras. He did that with sex scenes too. And it was awkward because he was like, wouldn't that be awkward doing all that in front of 70 people? And Daddy was like that. But my entire, I, sh- I digress. So my entire, I love Jesus, but I got ADD. So anyway, Daddy would say, and, and it never clicked. I was terrified of the dark. And it never clicked. And just one day, I think I was a teenager. Brock was an adult. I think he still fights that battle from time to time. Anyway, um, one day it just clicked. This is a bunch of bogus junk. It ain't real. Horror movies don't even entertain me anymore. I just watch them because I know they entertain my family for the most part. Even last week, Angie was like, we got to watch something good before we go to bed. I'm like, I'll sleep like a baby. One day it just clicked. Every Sunday that I preach to you guys, I pray in some way, form, or fashion that the truth would just begin to click. That you would begin to gravitate. That's what growth is. You would gravitate away from the lies that you believed about yourself and about the plan of God and the purpose of God in your life. And you would gravitate towards the truth because as it begins to click, you can say as confidently as King David, even in the mistakes he made, when he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Man committed crimes that you'd be in jail the rest of your life for. And he said, the Lord is my life. It's just you've got to begin to click. And you need to know that fear, you need to fire it. You are enough. Jesus is enough. And the, I don't know what your mama told you. I don't know what your daddy didn't tell you. I don't know what your boss told you you lied. But if God be true, the Bible says, let every man be a liar. The fear. Fear of not having enough and fear of not being enough. Let's jump into the next one. They'll be quicker. I had to set that one up long. I promise I won't preach all day, I don't think. Fear of being vulnerable. <laughs> Opening up exposes you. That's why people live guarded. They don't like to let people in. That's <laughs> why people don't come to in-person church. A lot of people use COVID as an excuse now because the thing is you, you don't like when other people look at you because you think they're looking at you the way you look at yourself. It's the fear of being vulnerable. All comes back same place, worth. I got people you've watched online. You've watched this for months, years, because I know that some of you reached out to me, and I'm grateful for you. For you. But you know it. You sit on that couch not because you can't wake up, but because you have a fear of opening yourself up to this many people and getting hurt like you were hurt before. It's the fear of being vulnerable. (laughs) Because you're scared that other people are going to see you the way you already see yourself. (laughs) You better bear your heart to your significant other and spouse. You better not let public schools have the awkward and hard conversations with your kids that you're called to have. You better not me and you better not make the moms have them either. You get down and dirty in that awkward conversation and you, hey, you light it up, you do whatever you need to do, but don't be afraid. We have this, you don't pray. You better pray with your kids. How in the world are they going to have a conversation with God when they never saw their parents have one? But we have this fear of opening up and being vulnerable. This just fear. And it's robbed your life. You live guarded. There was this time in the scripture that Paul said, forget the formalities. 
I love showing y'all the Bible and what it really was happening. Paul told the Corinth church, I love doing that too. Paul told the, I didn't fumble, just so you know, don't replay it. War Eagle. Go Braves, by the way. Paul said, forget the formalities. Forget them. He told the Corinthian church, he was the founding pastor and church planner of that church. He told them, he said in 2 Corinthians, he said, I have been, I have a demon, is what he told them. Think about this. I got a demon that has been tormenting me. Let me, let me get up here one to Sunday and tell y'all. Oh, y'all, I got a demon. It's demonic. I'm doing some craziness. It ain't ticks today, y'all. It ain't ticks. He said, literally, torment me. Buffet me, the King James. Make entertained by what it's doing to me. And Paul tells them this. Y'all be like, peace. There's 400 other churches in this county that ain't as crazy. No, thank you. I got enough craziness. Paul said, forget the formalities. I'm going to be honest with you guys. He said he prayed three times for God to take it away. Three times. And it wasn't three three-minute prayers. We're talking hours and days begging God to take this away. He opened his heart up to them. And he says this. Each time he, God, Paul says, God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in what? Weakness. Weakness. You're trying to project. You're closed off because you don't want people to see you as weak. But the weakness in your life is what gives him, what shows people his strength. You were robbing people of the thing that is the testimony in your life. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm not done. So I'm glad. So now perspective changed. He fired fear. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Telling y'all, a catalyst has been open. You've seen some of mine, and you see me out pouring my heart trying to work on them. Because growth is something that needs to be evident, and it's only evident when you open up and grow. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am he let his church know that already had enough division and dysfunction in it because it was the bad church when you look in history, bad, messed up church. He said, guys, forget it. I'm opening up. James' brother Jesus says, but he, this is James, disciple, brother of Jesus, says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Paul, the disciples, you see a transparency in the New Testament like no other time, and honestly, it's rare today. Because putting up walls and putting on personas isn't just sad and selfish, it's sabotage. Jesus, it's sabotage. You're going to be like a ship that never sails. You're never truly going to receive love from other people or God the way you were intended to. Nobody's ever going to know you because you're going to spend your life closed out. And how in the world can you experience the love of God in other people? I would rather be hurt a thousand times than live my life like that. Because Jesus did not love cautiously or callously. He was vulnerable. They put him on the cross, but he didn't stay there. It's time to open your heart. Don't be afraid of being you. Open your heart because vulnerability is robbing you. And it sets you up for what you're afraid of. Fear of change. 
Mm-mm-mm. I did not say frustration with chains. All of us fall into that line. But there are some of you, most of you, all of us maybe, that have the fear of change. You're afraid of change. You're not just frustrated with it. You're afraid of it. And it is a character defect. It is fear. It is sin. You stay, in a, you stay in a bad work environment for too long and don't put in resumes and find another job because you fear change. You don't like the idea of change. You stay in bad living situations for too long because you're just used to it. You're used to it. It's, it's what you're used to. You're scared of change. You don't even make bad decisions. You make no decisions. You don't make solid decisions in a timely manner or at all because you fear change. And let me make a prophecy in your life. If you fight change that much, here's what's going to happen. You're going to waste opportunities, a lot of money, a lot of relationships, and more than any of it, a lot of peace. Let me prove it to you. Paul says, second I could go all over. There's so many of these. I was just like, what scriptures can I use? Because all of them are a part of this. 2 Corinthians 3, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church because they were messed up like we are. Thank Jesus for him, though. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, for whenever someone turns to the Lord, trust him to be the script writer. The veil is taken away. The blinders, the things in our life that we need to work on and work through. For the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, say that with me. There is what? Freedom. Freedom. Not fear, freedom. Not shame, freedom. Not insecurity and timidness and intimidation, freedom. Freedom. Paul says, so all of us who have had the veil removed have trusted him. We can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are, say that, changed into his glorious image. Fighting change is fighting God. You may not like change. None of us do. You better embrace it. You embrace your job. You embrace your kids when they're turds. You embrace punching a time clock. You're going to embrace your in-laws this holiday season. Why? Because you love your spouse. You better, you better embrace change. And if you don't, it is sin. It is pride. It is fear. You are fighting the healing that God wants to bring you because fear is sabotage. You, it will set you up for the thing you're scared of the most. Y'all okay out there? Trust me, I hurt my feelings this week too, but I love you too much to not tell you the truth. Um, here we go. Fear of things falling apart or what I call implosion. Implosion. I could do this all day because the will of God is for peace. Psalm for you to have peace and enjoy what he's got in front of you. Psalms 46 says, God says, be what? Still and know that I am God. I will be praised in all the nations and I will be praised throughout the earth. God is a big God. And when you make him bigger, everything else becomes smaller. And so do you because you trust him with the script, not whatever you're dealing with and not whatever you have to live for. Him. Peace. Jesus said, John 14, I leave you peace. We teach this scripture a lot. We're going to continue to. It's the gospel. I leave you peace. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world does. So don't let your hearts be troubled or afraid. There's this peace. But you have this fear when God has given you something really special 
When God has given you small and big blessings and small and big people in your life that whether they're for a season or for a lifetime, you can't even enjoy because the fear that it's going to fall apart. My, fa- my wife and family are on the worst day. They are everything I prayed for and waited three decades for and then a whole lot more. I'm so thankful for them. So I was walking out of Stone Mountain, our honeymoon, mine and Angie's honeymoon. This is 2015. We're walking out, and I remember because I, we all hurt the same. We all have the same fears. It all goes back to worth. I remember thinking to myself, man, this love is so special. It's so special. And I remember thinking, I wonder, I wonder when it's going to go sideways. I was a pastor. I, count, I did marriage counseling like eight years before I was married. Like I was 22 doing marriage counseling at my old church. I remember thinking, man, when's the bubble going to burst? Because when is she, and, and the fear is, when is it going to fall apart? When is she going to see me? When is she not going to put up with me? When is, when is there going to be tension? And I lived my first year or two of marriage. Every time we got in an argument, every time like I disappointed her, every time she needed space, I would say, oh, here it is. She can't handle it. You do the same thing. You can't enjoy good seasons and good situations because you're wondering when is it going to go sideways because let's face it, it always has for some of you. Do you know why it's always gone sideways? Because you set it up that way. The fear, you worried about the bubble bursting, you're the one that bursted. You've gotten accustomed to adversity and some of you you're so used to it you've gotten addicted to it that when you have peace you don't even know how to handle it so you go stir up stuff subconsciously you don't think you deserve the peace of God it's not just I don't think I'm worthy you're self-sabotaging because you're so scared and you're so angry at yourself You can't even experience and enjoy the people at your table because you are so scared. When are they going to turn their back on me? When, are they, when is it going to be dysfunctional? When is we going to... You don't realize you set the drama up. Fear. 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 Jesus said, can worry and add a day to your life? He posed that question. The answer is no, but it can rob you of today. That's the thing about fear. It robs you of right now. It robs you when you're looking around and we're worshiping and people are at the altar and you are hungry, but you are too much thinking about what other people think about you. And oh my gosh, I don't want to sing loud. Listen to me. I will lose my voice in worship like I did at the Auburn game because you got to quit thinking like that. You were setting yourself up for what you're afraid of. This fear, when is it going to fall apart? It's going to because of fear. Fear of loneliness. Fear of loneliness. Two different perspectives right here. David was running for his life in both of them. Both of these scenarios, David's running for his life. You're going to relate to this one. David says this because he was honest and open with his father. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? All my single people in the place, I know they're like, oh, thank you. Amen, David. All my people been wanting a promotion, getting overlooked, underappreciated. Nobody sees you at home. You're like, thank you, David. Amen. I hope my husband's hearing this mess. (laughs) You better amen in your mind right now. You don't need a war today. It's Halloween. There's enough creepiness in the world right in this room with y'all's outfits. How long will you hide your face from me? 
Uh, you can't talk to God like that. You can't question God like that. This man was an open book to his creator because he trusted him with a script. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Oh, my God. Day after day. You live in your head. You're a prisoner to your head. You're, you overthink everything. David is saying, how long is this going to last? I'm alone. How long will my enemy triumph over me? But then he grew. And he was running for his life when he wrote Psalm 23 that we read at funerals. And I hate that because he lived his life that way. And you won't die that way if you don't live that way. Psalm 23, I just got, ver I just got one verse in it. Y'all ready for it? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I should have put King Jimmy on this one. I will fear no evil, for you were with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A different season, different perspective, because he grew closer to his father. He made a lot of mistakes. He killed a man trying to hide that he had an affair. King Solomon was a product of that eventually. But he grew. Loneliness is where you find him. It's a problem in our world. We can't get away from it. We can't get along. You ever notice in the scripture, I was talking to Bradford about this this week, Jesus went to his lonely place, spent all night connecting. You really can't connect with your father. You can't connect with God and discover yourself until you spend some time and get alone. But what happens is, I mean, remember in the Old Testament, Elijah? He was in the cave. He was alone. And he said, God went in the storm, the fire. He said, he's in the still small voice. You've got, you need to be alone in some seasons more than others because you have lost yourself. You have lost your perspective. You have lost your character. You've made some mistakes. And you know where you find it? Find yourself? Him. Quiet. Alone. But what happens is somebody rejected you, neglected you, abandoned you, and the, you equate loneliness with unworthiness. And so you can't be single. You always got to have somebody and you're in and out of terrible relationships. And then some of you, you finally find somebody that's a little bit compatible and you make them your God. You put them on the throne of your heart and it is not the script writer, the father. It is your spouse. And let me tell you, it is a setup for disappointment because they may be good people. They are not good gods and they will let you down. And it is unfair to them to put those expectations on them. And it's because you have this fear. Every time you're alone, you think I'm alone because I'm wrong and I'm not enough. <laughs> Some of you get married and your spouse doesn't treat you well. So I've seen this all over. You make babies so that you can invest your whole life in them. Your husband don't treat you well. So you make a baby so you can at least find love in your child. It won't end well. They're going to grow up. They're going to go build a life. And you're going to be back in the same spot 20 years later. Fear is sabotage. You had this fear of being alone. Man, I'm going to tell you, I hated being alone my whole life until I got a season of my life where it was just what it was. And I found him more than ever. And now I get up early in the morning for most of y'all get up some days and some seasons. I'm gonna get, I may not go to sleep because, God, I know that I can only connect with you when nobody else is in my ear. When I'm not even praying to you, asking you to do anything for me. I just want you. The fear of loneliness is killing you. It's robbing you. And one last one. I know I preached a minute. One last one. 
Oh, I didn't even read the last verse there. Jesus said this. Let me go back to that because this is important. Jesus said this. Last thing before he ascended. Last thing before he went to heaven and said, I'm giving you the spirit, the power of God. He said, and surely I, the great I am, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus made that promise. You may feel alone and you may not like it. You may not feel it. The just shall walk by faith, not feelings, not fear. Faith. Lastly, fear of failure. I love this proverb. Throw that proverb up. I'm going to read it from the screen. My eyes got to get some work, and I wrote all over the verse. It's all gone. Bring it to me. For, oh, no, proverb. No, proverb. There we go. Boom! Thank you, Will the Wonderful. Uh, for a righteous man may fall seven times. And he rise again. So, so here's the thing about it. You remember in the, you remember in uh, the parable of the talents, Jesus tells a story about a master who entrusted talents, money, his investments. He trusted it to some servants and he said, Hey, I'm going to give this to y'all. I'm going away. I want you to grow it. And there was this one guy, this master came back and he said, Hey, what'd you do with it? The guy, the guy said, I buried it because I was scared. I didn't want to disappoint you. The fear of failure caused, set him up to fail his master. The fear of failure is what will cause you to fail. Oh, man. So, uh, my dad, y'all, Braves are in the real world series, man. I'm, oh, daddy, daddy, uh, daddy, when he watched the, watched the, y'all young people don't know what it's like. You're like, oh, the Braves, they're finally in it, man. They were in it every year in the 90s. They didn't, they didn't cap it off, but they were in it. I remember, daddy, we lived in the city. Thank God I don't live on top of my neighbors anymore. Um, we live in the city. You know, everybody knows your issues and down the street too if you got one of them kind of crazy houses. Thank God Angie and I start yelling out in the country. It's like nobody can say anything. You can't hear me. And if you do, I'm calling the cops. Daddy watched the Braves game and sometimes, you know, he, he, there were times he'd be in his underwear, leg propped up. You could see his foot poking up and I'd be like, I'd walk out as a little kid. Oh, daddy. He had sweats on, always shirtless. I can't wait. Excuse me, I can't wait. I'm going to miss the kids, baby, but I'm going to love walking around in whatever I want to walk around in, not getting arrested. Boy, walk. Daddy would clap. He'd scream. He'd wake us up. When the Braves won, boy, he woke us up about 10 times. And now, yeah! He had these big bear paws. I got, I got my mama's hands. He said, you clap loud. I was in middle school, so I went to dance parties. I didn't really care as much about the Braves. I, was, I mean, they went to every year and lost. But nobody ever danced with me. I was in the middle of Tourette's, put on 45, 50 pounds, ticking, slobbering everywhere on medication. I lost my athleticism, what little bit I had. Like I said, my brother got it all with the jeans. And uh, I told daddy, I came in, big dance party. I was just tired of sitting on the stands in the slow songs. I'm, I can't, I got no rhythm. So me and Angie, we got a slow dance. She's got all the rhythm. Y'all saw it at Amanda and Patrick's wedding. I'm just like, baby, I'm waiting for a slow song. If I officiate your wedding, give me some dadgum slow songs. <laughs> but I, slow songs will come on and I'll just be, I'll be by myself in the, in the stands because every, you know, every prom has the stands where that one person gets told no so many times and I just watch everybody dance and I got tired of it. And I told daddy, I came came daddy I said daddy can I just watch the world series with you he said boy you're supposed to be going to a dance party my daddy boy he had a filthy mouth that's where I get it from like I said he's on crack though crack another level compared to me 
Boy, when he, when he wasn't drinking, he had some sermons. Boy, I can't preach there when he could. I'm not the OG. And that is. He just began to tell me. I said, Daddy, he said, why aren't you going to dance party? I said, Daddy, I'm, I'm going to watch with you. I'm tired of getting told no. I'm tired of watching everybody else dance. Put on all this weight. I remember baseball, they shifted everybody to right. I couldn't even pull the ball anymore. I was a decent baseball player. I could really play first base. I can still snag them as long as I get. I need a massage at night, but I can still snag them now at first base. He stood up at Daddy Boy. He stood up. You know it's for real. He stood up. He said, "I gotta say, I, I got it. was so vivid. I don't want to. I don't want to like cuss too much for you guests that aren't ready for it. Like I'm leaving to now. Not even staying for the hot dog. This is inappropriate." Daddy stood up and he said, "Boy, you are going to that dance. You ain't staying here." And he said, this is what you're going to do. And when Daddy said it, Daddy had an authority that wasn't just of him. He never really tapped into it. But if he had them. And he told me, he said, boy, you're, going, you're not staying here watching the game with me. You are going to dance. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to ask every girl to dance with you in the order that you want to dance with them. And if they tell you no, you're going to, in your mind, say that I'm a bonner and it's their loss. Because one day, the right girl is going to tell you yes, and all the other ones lost. Because you are going to treat you are special. You are my son. I don't. He said you're going to go to that party, and you are going to say you are going to you are going to have your head up. I can tell you that I I don't even remember. It's so I don't. I remember every part of that night. I remember going and it being the best dance party I ever had. But here's the thing I don't remember. I don't remember if anybody ever told me yes or if I sat in the bleachers because that's not what mattered. Because I wasn't scared of being rejected that night. I wasn't scared of failure. I was a bonner. I was my daddy's son. And you are your daddy's son. You are a daughter. You are the king's kid. And I don't even remember if somebody said yes. It didn't matter because I was my daddy's son. And you are your daddy's son. You may be scared of failure. Ask her out. Hey, it's 2021. Ask him out. Make the investment. Take the risk. Answer the call. Open up. Step one step at a time. Trust him with everything else. Trust him with the script. Fire the enemy. Fire fear. Take it back. You are his child. You are not your mistakes. You are not your criminal record. You are not your dad. You are not what they say you are. You are not your learning disability. You are not your weight issues or your eating disorder. You are not suicidal and hopeless. You are more than a conqueror. And you need to start living like that. And uh, I'm going to finish on this. The last year, I've had to make some of the hardest I've been faced with some of the hardest decisions, some of the hardest, most complicated situations of my entire ministry that no one person, or honestly, I get lost in it when I was making them. Last year, while I'm doing Christmas, uh, uh, I lost my holiday season because I was in default trying to work through all the decisions I needed to make and get clarity so I didn't make anything hasty. And, um, and I remember being, uh, I remember Angie, because I mean, God is amazing and it's special, but last year I faced some of my biggest
biggest fears head on in the situations that play right into my insecurities. And it's still, they're still there. And I was helping everybody else. Our church has been through a transition. I was helping everybody else process. The staff that's still here, they will tell you I was constantly getting calls and having to help people process because we've had a lot of transition. COVID has been crazy for you and your family. And a few people asked me, but Angie asked me the most. She would say, man, how are you doing? How are you doing? And I would most of the time just go through the motions and say, I'm good, baby, I'm good, I'm good, I'm hanging in there, I'm keeping my head down because my entire life, that's what I did. I've kept my head down, I've tried to stay focused, I've tried to keep pushing forward. That is literally my habit and sometimes it's not a good thing. And one day I just opened up and I said, baby, here's the truth. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm not scared of what most people are scared of. I'll just tell you, I'm not scared of what probably you're scared of. I don't lock my doors. My family hates it. They lock them. They get pissed off. I don't I don't want to use a gun. And honestly, if somebody comes in the house, I'm going to take a bat. I'm going to swing away, and I'm a winner either way. That's the way I see it. I'm just not scared of what most people are scared of. I'm not scared of physical pain. I'm not scared of what you can do to me. I just am not at that place. I trust you in a lot of things that most people are scared of complicated situations, whether I'm counseling, whether I'm dealing with our church and trying to lead us in the right direction as best I can. I'm not scared of complicated. This is how you handle it. The next right decision you do the best you can. What I was scared of is this, and I remember telling Angie, baby, I don't know if you remember, I said my fear isn't people losing trust in me and thinking that I'm not a strong leader. My fear isn't the church crumbling and everybody thinking it's my fault this is my fear. This is my nightmare scenario. Is looking at my baby boy, Garrett. And telling him, he care about this. This is his will. I just got to do the best I can, trust him. I said, I'm scared of looking at him. And losing the opportunity to pastor. And I don't know what it is. I'm scared of looking at Garrett and, and saying, I don't really know what to do with myself. Spent his whole life preaching to him about purpose. And what am I going to do? Go ask Walmart? I mean, what are people is what I do. And I said, my fear is not losing everything or people losing trust in me. It's having to face him and saying, baby, I got to start over. She laughed. She said, that's what you're scared of. <laughs> I'm weird, but it's still fear. It's all fear. The only way for God to become bigger in your life is for you to become smaller. The only way for fear and insecurity to become smaller is for God to become bigger. Will you stand to your feet right now? Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at IamCatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at IamCatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you. We care about you. And we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.